0: Everyone, thank you for tuning in to a special edition of the Extra Rounds podcast. My name is Mike Dice. Uh, thank you for watching on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. As you might notice, my co host looks a little bit different this week. Instead of Elias, we have Jose Shorty Torres in studio, fresh off of his uh, title defense in Titan FC to kind of talk. And it's just going to be a session of us just kind of chopping it up, talking all things MMA your career in Titan FC, the things you do in Chicago, when you're going to fight in the UFC, those kind of things. But uh, make sure if you have questions, feel free to drop it into the chat and we will be keeping an eye on that and we'll make sure to answer any of your questions that you have for jose don't ask me questions ask him questions he's the uh, important person here so first of all let's talk about this win title defenses everybody seems focused on the 2 weight title thing that's like the in thing in mma but you're arguably the only one or one of the only ones defending both belts actively
1: yeah you know conor mcgregor was uh was the forerunner with that he was the guy who started in cage warriors i think it was 14 and two when he finally won the second belt but he never defended any of them for me i've won the two belts and i defended both of them which adds to my resume i'm not just a champion i'm a dominant one at that again when i was fighting for titan fc 46 i didn't have to take the fight against Gleison and the jesus they offered me gustavo ballard at 125 but for me i go you know what? Let me just show something that's that's different. You know, both of them are great fighters. I didn't believe they were both at my level, so I go. You know what? Let me take something that's more intimidating, more more dangerous, and more exciting for the fans. And I thought I thought Gleason was you know going to be that fight, which he was. Uh, he was definitely a very very game opponent. I mean, I got I got bumps and bruises. I'm still technically injured from that fight, but um, it showed the fans and it shows the UFC that I'm not afraid to fight anyone who's in front of me, whether they're bigger, or stronger, or whatever the case may be. I'm trying to be a dominant champion, and hopefully. A dominant champion in the UFC
0: now you talked about taking bumps and bruises in that fight you it, it was a finish in the third round which isn't necessarily early but it's early for a title fight that goes no. five rounds oh, four rounds four rounds four rounds mm-hmm. and um, but it wasn't he had you kind of in danger at times throughout mm-hmm. the fight uh and and i think fighting at 135 presents like a bigger risk it silences the doubters. How much of the part of that was that for you to silence doubters by defending that weight, the belt that's a weight class up?
1: I can tell you this, and this is no offense to you know my opponent or anything. It just wasn't my day. You know, I, I went in there not really wanting to fight. I, it's you know, I wasn't trying my you know, I wasn't trying to overlook Gleaton because again, he was a game opponent as we all saw. But I'm ready for the next level. So when I went there, I just I wasn't excited for the fight, and it definitely showed while fighting. I got taken down real fast. I got beat up a little bit in the first round, and I definitely lost the first round, at least from what I saw. But eventually I started to get into it, and the third and fourth round, I started to move my head. But Gleisa started to pick off, you know, calf kicks and, and, you know, pretty much do the right thing. But I knew I cut him and I knew I was able to push forward and, and get the fourth round submission. And I think I, I signified that I'm ready for the UFC again. I didn't have to fight the bigger, stronger guy, but I decided to do so. Um, you know, Gleaton was technically a step down in competition because he was seven and two compared to my last two opponents who were seventeen and seven and eighteen and two. But there's no other guys in TNC F C ranks that have ten plus fights, you know, or at least ten plus wins in that case. So I'm technically fighting the number one ranked guys, but you know, I've already beaten the guys, you know, before them. So You know, if I don't get called up to the UFC, who am I fighting? The number two guy next, number three guy next, and I'm pretty much doing what Demetrius Johnson's doing in in the UFC where he's just fighting whoever they put in front of him now. Um, For me, my next level is the UFC. I get the opportunity. Just I'm waiting for the opportunity. I'm I'm still waiting for that call.
0: Now, you mentioned your next contender and fighting in the UFC. Uh, A name that's come up is Jared Brooks. You guys Mm -hmm. have kind of talked from time to time. I don't Mm -hmm. don't know how authentic the – I don't know. I wonder if he's watching. Is. What?
1: <laughs> I said, I wonder if he's watching. Yeah,
0: maybe. Um, what is, is that like the ne- Is that the path you see since you've called them out in the cage afterwards? And this isn't the first time. And I know Lex McMahon's gone to bat for you with the UFC. Mm. And, um, there's been discussions. I know that you've been blocked by, uh, important people in the UFC. I Mick. is that kind of the thing to do? Like you have to, you feel like you just have to go on social media and kind of like pick a fight.
1: um, Sailing the same age with the whole Conor McGregor talking smack and all that stuff, yeah, a lot of people are are now being the the bad guy. Given I've never I've never said any type of disrespect where I'm I'm belittling somebody because of just random stuff. I like to say I I'm th- I think I'm spitting out facts. You know, Jared Brooks hasn't fought someone like me, and I honestly believe I'm ready for the next level. Jared Brooks is, is a guy I believe when he got signed he was either 12 and 0 or 13 and 0, but he fought no one. The first real guy he fought was Eric Shelton, which. Hey man, he you know he got the win. Big credit to him. I do believe he did win in Brazil. Um, you know, so be it. He lost, and again, a, in a Brazilian crowd, it's it's probably going to happen that way. But I want to give him his first real loss. I don't believe um, he's an entertaining fighter. He does a lot of laying and praying, and that's something that that doesn't help the flyweight division get that excitement that it definitely, definitely needs. You know, the the fight I'm really excited about, Suhudo versus Pettis. I think those fights, you know, Pettis versus Moreno, those fights were exciting. You know, Demetrius Johnson needs somebody who's who's willing to put it all. I think those two are ready for it, but Suhudo's already had his chance. I believe Pettis is going to be next if he wins this fight, and I definitely want to be the guy right after that. Now you mentioned
0: uh, Demetrius Johnson, mm-hmm. and you're kind of doing in Titan FC what he's doing in the MMA, or in the UFC, that he's kind of cleared out the division, and it's just kind of he's recycling through contenders, and there's nobody that really makes a desirable matchup, with the exception of maybe TJ Dillashaw in the super mm-hmm. fight. Um, and do you feel like because of that, it's sh- even more shocking that the UFC hasn't called you? You're a natural flyweight, even though you're the bantamweight champion on top of being the flyweight champion. But you're a guy with a long record at on uh, on the amateur side of things. You're undefeated, six and zero, two weight champion in Titan FC, which streams on five Pass. It seems like it's just so logical.
1: You know, there's a lot of factors that play onto it. I know the flyweight division is is kind of being overwhelmed right now because of the contender series, the contender series, I believe almost every single week had a flyweight fight. So they have a bunch of guys shelved on who they can you know possibly call up last minute. The only thing is with my record and my accolades that I've been able to do in Titan FC. I don't believe I should be shelved. I don't believe I need a last-minute fight. I believe I deserve a contract and be able to be promoted respectfully to, to put on a, a great fight against, you know, top 10 guys. Yeah, you know, I'm not afraid of whoever they put in front of me. And if it's Jared Brooks, uh, I believe would be a feeder fight, then so be it. But I believe anyone in the top 10 is is uh, a great promotional aspect for me to, to fight against.
0: So you're friends with T.J. Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. You've trained together a, a bunch. Are you like TJ? Come on, put in a good word for me when you see Sean Shelby. Hey,
1: he was here this weekend teaching at the UFC gym in South Loop, and uh, him and I definitely talked about it. And uh, you know, sadly, Sean Shelby is not my matchmaker. We definitely have to go through Mick Maynard first, uh, no matter what Sean Shelby says. It's it really at the end of the day goes through Mick, and if it goes past Mick, then we have to you know try to hit, try our best to hit up Dana White. But then that's definitely the harder part. But um. You know, we're definitely waiting to the end of the week to try to get into contact with Mick Maynard just because they're coming back from uh, is it Shanghai that they went to? Yep. Um, so we're gonna give him you know a couple of days to recoup, relax, and get over the jet lag. Yeah, get over the jet lag, and just you know, I, he's already blocked me enough, so I don't want to annoy him anymore. So, <laughs> trying to figure out what's what's best for him, yeah, and, and, and figuring out where it goes from there.
0: And if you're watching, feel free to drop in questions, uh, and we'll try to get to him um, at some point in the show. Uh, you mentioned. Dana White contender series. Mm-hmm. Did they ever reach out to you about going that route?
1: So sadly when I beat Far Sherpuff, I broke my hand toward my MCL. In that process of I believe it was three and a half to four month process of, of rehab, they called me four times. And actually the last time I was on the show, they called me right here and they go, Hey, we want you to find the contender series. Three times they called me. Three times I had to say no. Sadly, I was injured. There's nothing I can do about that, and they respect that. Um, and then finally, the, the last week, they called me to fight Justin Scoggins out of a 10-day notice, which would be an awesome fight. I believe Justin Scoggins is an exciting fighter, mainly because his karate and wrestling style, but I just couldn't take it. I was still injured, and I definitely still wanted at least a month to two-month training camp to make sure that I'm, I'm healthy and I can get back at it. My hand's not damaging. My knee can move, and uh, you know, I was able to do that and I, you know get this fight that I did with Gleaton, but... Sadly, I haven't received a call after this fight, which is kind of surprising. It's almost about two weeks as I beat Galiton, and I think it was a, a very fan-entertaining fight and a finish at that. You know, the two guys that I've defended my belt against, I have finished. The two flyweights that I have fought, I have finished. I've actually knocked out both of them, and the flyweight division is my division, even though I fought Bantamweight, I believe, four times so far out of my six fights. You know, and I'm only bumping up to show the UFC I'm, I'm ready for pretty much whoever, and I want exciting fights. I don't want anything where... I believe is an easy fight. Again, that's why I'm bumping up. So I'm really just, uh, I'm hoping not just for a call, but I'm hoping for a contract. That's my ultimate goal.
0: Now you mentioned getting the calls on short notice and being injured. If you were cleared, like by a doctor and like you weren't like you're not injured. And then as soon as you walk out of the doctor's office, they call you and they're like, you can have this fight in two weeks. There's that's still not enough time for you to get in shape right mm-hmm. after. Yeah, it's,
1: it's definitely not enough time. It really depends on the opponent and depends on the, um, on the opportunity. You know, if it is a a bigger fight that definitely would be, you know, a a popular fight, whether win or lose, it'd be, you know, a great fight to take. Kind of like the whole um, TJ Dillashaw versus, uh, who was it, Joe Soto or Mm -hmm. something, something
0: Soto? UFC 177. You know,
1: that guy just randomly jumped in there and was like, screw it, I'll take it. You know, that was the biggest opportunity of his life. And because of that, he's – I don't know what he's doing now in the UFC, but I know he got – you know, I, think, I believe he had two or three more fights in that. But people knew who he was because of that opportunity. You know, if it's an opportunity like that, then, yeah, I'm more than willing to take it. But if it's something that's very low, probably like a UFC fight pass uh, prelims fight, then I, I probably wouldn't take that.
0: Now, uh, this is just a random thought that came into my head. Mm-hmm. But since we're talking about TJ and uh, him fighting Joe Soto, he's also fought um, John Dotson who mm-hmm. was a uh, flyway So you ever kind of compared how you guys match up?
1: Um, no, I mean, you know, I've been able to spar with both John Dotson and TJ does show, which is definitely fun with both. I definitely have uh actually I have a lot of fun with both of them. They're, they're definitely a pleasure to work with, and they're just a pleasure to hang out and then learn from, but um, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see what TJ just decides to do. If, if Demetrius Johnson actually does accept that fight, I think it would be a bad decision for Demetrius Johnson, just because look what the Dominic Cruz is able to do to DJ when he got a hold of him. But the thing is Dominic Cruz wasn't a dominant wrestler like TJ is. TJ is a multiple time all American in division one and I believe, um, with his attacking style and movement and his strength, and I, I can definitely, you know, say on firsthand, hand, TJ's pretty strong for being a small bantamweight, weight and he can easily make flyweight. Um so I'm excited to see that fight if it does happen. You know, fingers crossed I think it'll be a fan entertaining fight. because um, both are ready to to stand and bang and do whatever. I think they're the best the the best two in the sport right now, honestly. But, um, and John Dotson, sadly, you know, he lost to Marlon Mora, so I'm, I'm excited to see what's next for him. Um, I thought John Dotson did win that fight, but, again, so be it. I'm not a judge. Um, and I'm just excited to see what's what's next for me, whether I fight those guys in my future or not. But I know both of them are definitely rooting for me and hoping that I get into UFC very soon.
0: And this is another just weird thought that's come up in the course of our conversation. Mm-hmm. If they were to do the super fight, it seems like the kind of thing that they might tie into tough or the Ultimate Fighter, and they might have TJ coach against Mighty Mouse. That seems like something that could happen. Would you, in that situation, would you do you think TJ would have you come on as an assistant
1: coach on his team? Um, I definitely like that. I I hope so. Um, mainly because where I'm at in my career would be just amazing publicity for me. Um, but he knows I can coach and he knows I have my fair share of, of little tendencies that I believe I can teach a lot of the guys. Um, but it also depends on what type of show it is. If it is those two guys coaching, maybe it'll be a small person show. Maybe I'll be a contestant. You never know. So um, You would go that route? to get I, into the UFC? I, I wouldn't be a fan of it. I can definitely honestly say that. I wouldn't be a fan of it because, again, I, I don't believe. I think the contender show is a fantastic show. But with all my accolades, I don't believe I need to be on a show like that to prove once again that I should be in the UFC. I think everything I've been able to do in the six fights of being a 57-21 and 21 record that I should be in the UFC. But, again, if if the UFC wants that and that's that's what the UFC you know really implies that I have to do just to get in there, then so be it.
0: And you're just 25 when you throw out that 57 number to kind of put that in context. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, insane. People talk about, you know, Alistair Overman. I think, has 50, some of the professional fights. Uh, that's just an insane amount to have so far in your career. Uh, we have a question from somebody in the chat who's watching, Nick Turnbow. He says, Shorty, who would you want to fight as your first opponent in the UFC?
1: Oh, man, I don't know. That would be a lot of fun um – Um there's a lot of guys I definitely look at and look up to that I think would be a lot of fun. Tim Elliott's definitely one of them. Him and I actually shared a shared a house for two weeks in Denver when he was getting ready for Demetrius Johnson. And him and I looked at each other and we go, it'd be really fun to fight each other just because of our styles. I'm very aggressive. He's very random and he definitely never quits. So I know that would be a fun fight. Um, but I don't know. I, I think just to prove a point, I would love to fight Jared Brooks. I believe my fighting style against him would probably bring the best out of Jared Brooks and make it a very fan entertaining fight, something that he's not given yet to the fans. Now, do
0: you think Jared Brooks is the right fight just strictly because of that? Or do you think he's he kind of talks a little bit, he's mm-hmm. gotten his name out there a little bit. Do you think like he's a marketable opponent?
1: Um, I definitely don't believe he's a marketable opponent, but with his record I believe he's thirteen and one, fourteen and one now. Um it's definitely going to you know, add to my resume of guys I've beaten with a huge record. I believe he's patented his record pretty well, but, um, again, he's fought no one like me, and I believe anyone in the flyweight division, I can definitely say no one's fought anyone like me because of my accolades.
0: Now, Elias isn't here, but he sent along some questions, so I'll, I want to ask the questions that uh, he asked.
1: Sorry, Elias, this is permanent. I'm here forever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it might be. I mean, he really adorns the... Uh, the set, better than you do. no, I mean, Better than I do, for that matter. But uh, he said, everyone wants to win fast. What are these tough fights giving you in terms of valuable experience? What are you learning about yourself through injuries, tough spots, that maybe other fighters with just five, well, six, I think is what he meant, pro fights don't know about themselves.
1: Man, I can tell you this. One is the conditioning. You really start to know how much you need to work for your next fight to get that conditioning in. And, and after that conditioning goes away, it's honestly just the heart and how much you want to win in the fight. I mean, Gleaton and I both we're bleeding, you know, bloody, trying to push forward and, and really going back and forth in the third and fourth round. Um, he really started to land the calf kicks. I think another big thing I learned was maybe I should shin block a little more and not put so much weight on my front leg because calf kicks do suck. Um, but honestly, it's the heart and determination how bad you want to win. I mean, fourth round, I was starting to die out. And that was the first time where my adrenaline never really kicked in. You know, compared to when I broke my hand to my MCL, I was on a, an adrenaline high where in the fifth round I still wasn't breathing. You know, after the fight I was like, cool, this is perfect compared to this fight. Fourth round, right after I finished and choked him out, I mean, it was kind of, if anyone watches um, Age of Ultron where, where, you know, Iron Man's punching the Hulk in the face and it's like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. That was pretty much me trying to choke out Galiton in my head. I was like, just go to sleep, please. Just go to sleep because I was, that that was all I had left. You know, if you got out of that choke, it definitely would have been, um a different situation possibly you know so it it really starts to show how much heart you do have for the fight and you know i'm glad i had that heart and determination but i can say fighting four or five rounds mainly championship rounds and the high caliber fights against very very tough opponents you really start to learn about yourself what you need to do in your next fight next need to do in your next practice and where you are mentally prepared and, and you know just for the situation itself
0: did you, going back, looking at it, kind of find what happened with the adrenaline dump? Was it just the coming off the injury, being away, the um, ring rust people point to? There was
1: definitely ring rust. and I know I definitely pointed that out. But, again, I wasn't excited for the moment. You know, every single fight, um, I'm smiling. I'm going out there having a lot of fun. But this fight, even my coaches are like, come on, remember what you're doing this for? You know, they were really trying to hype me up. They're like, we don't like your attitude. We don't like the way you're walking out. But. Um, I'm glad in a sense that even at my worst, I was still able to beat a high caliber fighter like Gleedson. Um, I definitely wasn't at my best, and I definitely didn't show the the usual Jose Shorty Torres that I could be, where I'm very dominant in the first round, i very pushy, pushy, pushy. But I I kept my head still. I decided to stand still and take a lot of shots and get more prideful and uh, make it a lot tougher of a matchup than it than it definitely should have been.
0: Uh, there's a funny comment I want to read. Zach Best said that the the, the show could be rebranded, doesn't need the Extra Rounds podcast by Jose Shorty Torres, <laughs> uh, which I would presume means that I'm gone and it's just you <laughs> by yourself now. But um, that's interesting that you say that and you're not going into it. And we're talking about you feeling like you deserve to be in the UFC. Like, did that play a
1: factor to that? Um, it definitely played a factor where, again, I was trying my best not to overlook Lee him because I knew he was a tough opponent. I didn't believe he was at my level, and I felt like I could have finished him at any time, but I just, I wasn't mentally there, and I think that's the biggest problem, you know, everyone has skills, but if you're not mentally there in your fight, nothing's going to come out, nothing's going to really show, so I definitely didn't fight at my best because of it, but, you know, it's one of those things that I need to be intimidated by these opponents. I need to know that there is a good chance of me losing for me to train, you know, my best and for me to, to fight at my best. You know, if I'm fighting guys that I believe I can beat very easily. I think Tapology had me winning, you know, as as a as the odds breaker, they had me winning ninety five percent to five percent. You know, so everyone believed I was gonna win, which is awesome. I love the support, but I like being the underdog. I like being doubted and i like uh coming back from adversity and and really beating some guy that's above me compared to again the and jesus they didn't have the record he didn't have the accolades he didn't have any big names that he's beaten that was his first big name and i know if he would have won that fight that would have been a a life-changing opportunity for him but it wasn't
0: now we have a another question from jose Mm -hmm. young's in the chat he says would you jump to bellator if they offered you a contract
1: um right now no mainly because they don't have a flyweight division you know, I think flyweight is my division, and uh, if we saw my last two fights, um, even though I was able to beat uh, both Farquhar off and and Galitian, Jesus, it's very hard to finish bigger, stronger guys. You know, yes, I can get the submission, but, you know, I'm, I'm punching the hell out of these guys, and they're not going down. You know, and I think that's the the biggest attribute. I like to stand up. I like to put on a show, but if I'm wasting my energy against bigger, stronger guys that can take so many punches, it's, uh, it's really hard to break them down.
0: And then we have a, another question from Elias. Is this... Uh, is the idea behind having a lot of amateur fights, which we were talking about, and fighting mm-hmm. top prospects at pro that you want to be ready f- to fight for the title the second you get to the UFC?
1: Um, I definitely want to pace myself. I'm, you know, I'm only 25 years old. I definitely have a lot of time you know, in, in my career. I don't want to end up like... Uh, what, what was the guy who fought Demetrius Johnson? Was it Horiguchi? Or oh. The the Japanese guy, very good karate, Shotokan black belt. Um, and I believe he's now in Risen. But I don't want to end up like you know, going up facing the best in the world and just not being ready for the moment or being outclassed. You know, I mean you saw what Demetrius Johnson was able to do against him, against Ray Borg and and and, and how um what was the guy, William Hayes. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's Demetrius Johnson's the best in the world and I want to be the best possible Jose Shorty Torres to, you know, take that crown and uh you know, right now I definitely want to move slow. I'm not anywhere near my prime yet. I'm only twenty five years old and I have a lot of time to uh you know, definitely prepare for that fight.
0: Since you've ran through some of uh, Demetrius Johnson's fights, random question: What was more impressive, the Henry Cejudo fight when he beat him in uh, the first round, or that fifth round suplex into the armbar against Ray Borg?
1: Um, I would say the fifth round suplex because he prolonged the fight. He didn't need to do that. The, you could tell he was just toying with to Ray Borg, and Ray Borg's a good fighter. You know, I've I've been able to spar with him as well, but he was able to toy with a, a young up and comer like Ray Borg and and really push his buttons and and. Really just frustrate him and do, honestly, whatever he wanted against him. That showed the best possible, possible Demetrius Johnson in the world. He didn't just defend the belt. He dominated that fight and toyed. Compared to Henry Cejudo, I, I don't believe Henry Cejudo was uh, an MMA fighter when he fought Demetrius Johnson. I believe his fight against William Hayes definitely showed a huge improvement. And even against uh, uh, Joseph Benavides, he definitely showed that he's ready not just to be a wrestler but to be a boxer as well and to be a stand-up fighter. I think he's really starting to mix it up against William Hayes. He dominated, and I think... You know, I, I do believe William Hayes is out of his out of his prime and, and definitely towards the end of his career. But he's still a good fighter. You know, he's definitely top five still. And uh, you know, Suhudo I think is going to have a great fight against Pettis, and I think that's a very very close fight. I really don't know which one that's going to go towards. But um, I think the more dominant win was against Ray Borg because Ray Borg is an overall MMA fighter.
0: Now we have another question from Nicole. How does training with bantamweight champion T.J. Dillashaw affect your confidence, knowing you go up against the best on a daily
1: basis? it's a huge confidence boost mainly i think i think the first time besides you know uh tj i think the first time i really had the confidence boosters when i first went down to jackson wink and i was fighting for um, fighting for my first title against abdiel Velasco. abdiel velasquez is a, a very elusive guy likes to move around a lot switches stances and just kind of throws whenever you you know become stationary well i was training with john dawson and, and cup swanson you're ready for the fight and those guys have already created their legacies and, been, you know, they switch stances all the time. They move around. They're so fast. Cub being bigger, longer, and Dotson being much faster and stronger. It's, It was definitely a, a huge confidence boost to know that I was doing well against these guys and able to hold my own. And then when I up the Laskos, I was like, this guy hasn't fought anyone like Cub Swanson or, or, or uh, John Dotson. And he hasn't fought anyone like me. You know, being able to prepare for this guy. I mean, he's not going to have the same training partners I had. So I was a lot more prepared. Same thing with TJ getting ready for Far called Pedro Nobra, and now this fight. Again, I'm defending my Bantamweight Championship in Titan FC, which is great, but it's not anything like defending the Bantamweight Championship in the UFC. And you know, now TJ is a two-time UFC you know, world champ, and it uh, definitely shows in his training, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. And it just makes me that much better because of it.
0: Okay. That's uh, a lot of great information about your <laughs> MMA career. Uh, we could talk about it all day. It's yeah. super fascinating. Maybe let's transition to some other things that you do outside of MMA. Um, one of the things before we kind of get into some of your side projects I wanted to talk about was fandoms. We do a fandom 250 on fan FanSider where we rank the best fans in the world. So I was kind of curious to see what are you a fan of? What do you like mm. to uh, dedicate your free time when you're not training and fighting the best <laughs> in the world to?
1: Man, that's that's really hard. I really don't know. That, this is
0: open to TV shows, movies, you know, sports, it, It's comics. crazy
1: because I really don't know. Because all I do is actually if, if my fight, um, if I didn't end up you know, being injured with all the calf kicks, I was immediately going to go to Arizona, help Frankie Signs to get ready for his fight in Fresno. Um, and then after that, come back home and start getting ready for my next fight whenever that was possibly going to be. So I've been so used to just being on the ball of just going and going and going and going. So there's really no free time. Yeah, I don't really have a uh, a social life. The usual social life I had or the most social life I had since, um, since I was a kid was when I had my injury and I was doing rehab because uh, I definitely didn't have to train as much because I couldn't. But, yeah, this is 100% all I do. And if I'm not doing anything, I'm usually here with you or doing interviews or doing something to better my career. I'm really trying to be at the top of my game, you know, as fast as possible. Are
0: you... Random question that came to me again. Are you uh, going to be able to fight anyone in the Flairweight division after you've trained with
1: everybody? Yeah, I know. Well, see, you know, I, I don't have an ego. And that's, that's the biggest reason why I like to jump camps and just um, train everywhere I go. I, I don't mind who I train with. You know, Sergio Pettis, you know, we snapchat all the time and we have a lot of fun, but we know eventually we're going to have to fight each other someday. Again, we're all after the same goal. It just so happens we're on each other's way. You know, so it's, it's a sport, it's a business that shouldn't affect our friendship and it shouldn't affect anything, you know, so helping each other along the way to get to the top. I think that's, that's awesome to know that there's that type of camaraderie together. Okay.
0: Well, let's talk about something good you do for the community. You are doing a toy drive with Eat Clean Chicago. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So actually Eat Clean Chicago is doing a toy drive where you can donate all your toys to Platinum Fades and Remax Partners. Um pretty much on December 15th, I will be going to Loyola Hospital in Maywood with Eclean Chicago, and we're going to donate all the toys to the kids with cancer and the kids who, who definitely need support, who can't be home for Christmas. Um, you know, e Chicago came up to me, brought up the idea, and I think it's an amazing thing. Um, you know, for me, for example, I, I'm i supposed to commentate for Titan FC 47 December 15th, later on that night, but I told them I'm not flying in early. I want to push everything back so I can fly in that night to, the event. I want to do the toy drive no matter what, because this is a, it is a huge thing. You know, Christmas, all, it's always about giving back. And well, this year, you know, we're all trying to give back together. You in Chicago, myself want to, you know, take pictures with the kids, give out toys and, and do anything we possibly can to make them feel a little bit better and make them feel more at home.
0: So you're going straight from the toy drive to commentate a Titan FC. Yeah. So I'm going across the, like halfway across the country. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to the toy drive and I'm more likely going to have a flight from, it starts at 10 a.m. Um, we'll do the toy drive, have a lot of fun with that, have a lot of fun with the kids. I'll bring both my belts so all the kids can take pictures and give posters away and stuff like that.
0: And those aren't light.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> this should be fun. And, uh, I mean, that's the cool thing about it is that once the, you know, I go to high schools and elementary schools and take pictures with kids, but they, they grab my belt. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's cool. And then they grab it, and they're like, oh, my God, this thing's legit. It's heavy, you know. So they they um, they definitely respect it more and have a lot of fun and appreciation because of it. But, yeah, I'll be doing the toy drive, and then, pfft, an hour and a half to make my flight right after and i'll be flying down to miami doing the commentating and then flying back the next day to do whatever else i need to do
0: the heavy belts probably make you seem more like a superhero in the eyes of the kids <laughs> just because uh, like you have to lift this on a regular basis
1: dude it's it's horrible it is a horrible horrible it's the, that's the worst thing about being a double a class champ is you have to carry both belts at all times
0: So I was making my wife watch these old WWE videos the other night and one of them was Daniel Bryan after he won uh, at WrestleMania and he had hurt his shoulder and he does like the yes chant. He was like Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to do with when you're with both belts and I was I never really understood it until I like I picked one of those up and I was like I could see why this would be really hard to like pump both belts in the air at the same time. Those things are heavy.
1: Dude it's horrible they actually have a photo which we never posted because it was you just saw the strain in my face we're doing the photos right before wayne's which you know i'm I'm a little tired but i'm fine i'm at mainly at 35 yeah i'm I'm technically cutting weight not not too much at 35 but they're like oh hold both belts up like this you know i'm just like oh man you got five seconds ready go you know i'm just struggling my face is getting red and they're like we can't even photoshop this we're not even gonna use it (laughs) so (laughs) it's uh you know it's definitely a struggle but doing the toy drive and having the kids see the belts and, and just take pictures you know whether you know whatever their illness is or just it's it's nice to give back you know it's um and I do stuff for the community as well but you know doing this toy drive and again being able to give kids something that again they can't go home you know it's a it's a big thing and it's it's awesome to know that I'm able to be a part of this
0: Now Eat Clean Chicago promotes healthy eating mm-hmm. right amongst kids uh, had you worked with them before did they just kind of reach out because you were doing the school kind of tour and circuit Um
1: actually so Eat Clean Chicago's been around for about 2 years as long as my professional career and they're guys who went to high school with me, started their own business, and I was their very first sponsor. So I've been growing with them since, since pretty much day one, um, You know, giving me my own promotion code, shorty t shorty 25 anybody wants to eat clean Chicago, 10% off your whole order of meal preps, they deliver right to your door, which is awesome. But I'm actually on it right now, so I'm getting back in shape after my fat week. <laughs> it's definitely been helping me out. Um, but it's, they've, they've been a huge help. I wish – the only hard part is all my training camps are always outside the state you know, so they don't mail over states. Um, but I definitely, anytime I'm here, I definitely t- try to take as much advantage as possible of, one, the meals, two, I can't complain because they're actually really good, and because usually everyone's like, oh, healthy meal preps it's the typical chicken, broccoli, rice, you know, but this is, I have carne asada for, for a meal prep, which is awesome. It's like an actual cookout. Um, I had steak on the way here, actually, and some sweet potato, but that you was know,
0: part of your eat clean chicago thing? yeah
1: yeah in the morning i had some blueberry i, mean, I had some so i had some blueberry muffins some turkey bacon and an egg and i was just like oh okay cool like i have some breakfast and again everything's delivered right to your door and you're able to just heat it up two minutes and there you go you know mainly for me i'm always on the go i'm always on the road i was actually eating while driving here because i was running late and just worked out well um but yeah eat clean chicago they they you know i'm not a person that that you know tries to take advantage of everything you know, I, I do enjoy my sponsors, but I like to give back as well. In Eastland, Chicago, and I've definitely partnered up a lot. And this is probably going to be the biggest partnership with this toy drive, and, and using my name, I think the kids are going to really have a, a really really good time.
0: Now, if somebody wants to help with the toy drive and they're local, mm-hmm. can they bring the toys somewhere?
1: Yeah, so they can deliver them to any of the Platinum Fades locations. There's 14 around the Chicago area, and then the Remax partners in I believe Berwyn. It's on Ridgeland and and Surmac Avenue, and just overall, you're able to you know donate the toys there and. From there, we you know gather up all the toys, all the toys that are suitable for the kids, and then you know we take them to the Loyola Hospital in Maywood, uh, and we'll do the photo shoots and everything at ten a.m. and just have a really good time with them. And I'm I'm really excited to um, you know just see the kids' faces when they get new toys and you know get to hold these belts. And um, again, the kids might not know me, but being able to hold a, a legit belt, I, I see a lot of kids just having a lot of you know getting a lot of pleasure out of it.
0: Now, if you are out of state, is there mm-hmm. a way that you can participate?
1: Yes. Yeah, so. Um, if anyone actually goes to eClean Clean Chicago in either their Facebook, Instagram, or social media pages, just overall, um, they do have it as their pinned, um, their pinned post. So it's at the very top, anything, there is a video with eClean Clean Chicago and myself, given all the locations at the end of the video and in the description. So if you want to mail it in, you're able to, re- uh, mail it in to Remax Partners in Burwell Illinois or any, it's any of the Platinum Fades in the Chicagoland area.
0: And you mentioned going to commentate for Titan FC. Mm-hmm. Lex McMahon seems like he's always put the, puts the fighters first. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big, you know, help. He's a big help trying to get his fighters into the UFC. When you told him like I want to fly in after this toy drive, what was his response?
1: He was just like, Ah, oh, man, it's going to be really hard to find a flight. But as long as I make it there in time, it's perfectly fine. You know, he definitely wants to promote me as much as possible. I do believe I am um, the poster boy of Titan FC because of being the double weight class champ and what I've been able to do. But he definitely wants me there, and he understands that this is for a great cause. You know, he wasn't like, oh, you're just being like a, a drama queen or you want to do whatever you want. This is for a good cause, and he definitely understood that.
0: And now, you've commentated before. What's mm-hmm. your process like when you're preparing to commentate for a fight? Do you do you put a lot of emphasis on talking to the fighters in the fight week or study um, tape?
1: No, I, I honestly, I do study tape. Um, luckily for me, I know most of the guys, and I do – you know, as you see now, like I remember a lot of the fights, that's something that just sticks in my head is is fighters going against certain fighters and, and how they fought against them. And for me, I know most of the guys in the cards already, so I don't have to look back at much film. But when I commentated in Brave, when I commentated for The Last Titan, um, you definitely have to look at, at the film and just be prepared. And, and you know, Usman is one of those guys that I look up to because he commentates so well, mainly for my fights, because he knows what I'm going to do. Him and I fight very similarly. Um so just being prepared and, and knowing what they're going to do next or what they should do overall. I mean, you can't just be a play-by-play commentator and just kind of go, oh, he's punching him in the face. Like, yeah, you're just kind of saying stating the obvious. But what if it gets in the ground? Oh, what, what submissions are they trying to do? What are they trying to transition to? What does he need to do to escape and do all that? So you have to have that type of knowledge and understanding of what that fighter is going to do. And it's, uh, it's a hard job, but if you really love the sport and really enjoy it, you're going to start to learn and catch on pretty quick with it.
0: When you when you're doing it, do you assume that the the viewer doesn't know anything, and you're trying to explain to somebody who might be watching for the first time, or do you kind of assume there's some baseline of knowledge?
1: Yeah, you have to. Sadly, you know. Um. Sometimes we'll just skip into it and just say the move, like, "Oh, it's a Darrish choke." But we won't explain the move in detail, depending on how fast the situation's going. But if if it's you know at a standstill a little bit, then we can explain what what the fighter specifically needs to do. He needs to move to the left. He needs to lift his left arm up to get out of position, or or whatever the case may be. But um, it really depends on the situation, how fast the momentum's going in the fight.
0: So when you're uh, commentating Titan FC. Same night as the toy drive. Mm-hmm. What are you going to be doing on the plane? Are you going to be resting or are you going to be cr- like cramming
1: notes? You, you know, it's funny actually. So the Dapper Club here in Chicago, they're making me a custom suit. And I told them, I was like, this is a it's perfect- kind of like- icon status in mma once you start
0: getting a yeah suits. i know like after <laughs> this, he got the title was this is, was getting this is custom my suit. first
1: time i ever had a suit the last time i had a suit i rented you know for prom so i'd never never officially owned a suit i've um, seen that
0: picture on facebook
1: yeah i've never yeah <laughs> i have two of them I've, that was definitely my my mobster status but i've never owned a suit so the dapper club is hooking me up with the suit we're actually getting fitted again this weekend and uh i told him the best opportunity would be december 15th because i'm commenting on be on camera it'd be awesome to really show it off so I don't have time to change and really figure out everything. I won't have time to get there and iron my stuff. So I'm going to do the toy drive in a really, really nice tailored suit and giving out with my belt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in looking like a legit professional uh, to these kids and then immediately flying on the plane with my suit and then just walking straight into the event and – uh and just, you know, getting the job over and done with and then flying back in my suit. I'm not even taking another outfit. <laughs> really? I'm just so going to go.
0: You're not even going to have like a bag. You're not going to crash. I, I'm, hotel I'm, I'm, you're coming the, back to Chicago right see, after the event.
1: See, I'm I'm pretty fun when it comes to being very, very random. So I'm going to probably go there in my suit and then leave in my onesie. <laughs> I'm more than likely going to do that.
0: You did, I think, an interview with James Lynch mm-hmm. in uh a one of the onesies yeah, or right, something, right? Uh, it has like the uh, hood. Uh, a stitch onesie. <laughs> yeah okay I've done uh I've done the UFC at some point fly in for like an event and then uh fly back out like that same night I would try to get like the first flight out the next morning yeah and and it's not easy and I can't imagine how hard it would be to after having done a toy drive earlier in the day I always like I'm gonna try and sleep as much as I can before I do this like all nighter kind of trip like what are you are you gonna sleep for like the whole Friday before
1: I really don't know how it's gonna go I and that's the best thing about me is I never know. Uh, I just kind of just, I, I really just swing it and see where it goes. I'm, I'm a huge fan of improvisation, and I, I really do like awkward moments. So me being in a onesie or in a tuxedo or whatever the case may be when I'm on a plane, I think it's hilarious just to see people's reactions and, and just kind of go with it from there.
0: Now, let's talk about your roots in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You have a now You have a mural on a building in Chicago now. Three murals? Mm -hmm. I've just seen the one, the big one, where you have both belts. Yeah, I have three three of them. Do you know the stats on how many people have multiple murals of them on yourself? Like, where do you compare to Chance the Rapper? Oh, I have have
1: no clue (laughs) with Chance the Rapper, but there's three of them. One on, I believe, 49th and Pulaski, or around that area, uh, right before you hit Archer. It's um, actually on a barbershop called Made, and it's a two-story mural, You know, so you can't miss it. Uh, And it's actually drawn by my brother. It's one of those things that he started drawing... And illegally drawing it, yeah, you know, it wasn't a permission wall. He started just randomly drawing myself because my brother's my biggest fan, and so he started drawing me. And all these people were like, "Hey, what are you doing?" But the outline was already done, and he started explaining my story. And these guys were like, "You know what? Yeah, finish it. We like we like the idea." So they allowed my brother to finish the this two-story. Shop. Yeah, they started finishing the the two-story mural. When it was done, I don't know where they had a lot of attendance of people just coming to take pictures and just have fun. And I don't know, I'm getting tagged on Facebook with all these pictures of just people taking, you know, next to the mural. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm still in, I think at the time I'm I'm in California, so I i haven't been able to see it. And then the town of Cicero asked for a mural as well, where I am where I live right now. So the town of Cicero has a mural on 31st in Austin right under the Viadoc. And so every time people drive by, I see people you know, on the snatch, are like, hey, there goes Shorty. And, you know, just having a lot of fun. Um, and again, Cicero's where I've pretty much grown up for about 15, 16 years now. So they, a lot of people know me and a lot of people respect me. So having that mural up is, uh, I'm getting a lot of, uh, praise for it, you know, cause people knew the way I grew up in high school and I was just that cocky teenager, party animal, having a lot of fun, um, was careless and reckless and, and seeing all this stuff. Now people are really starting to respect what I'm doing. And I believe there's another one in Ukraine village. I'm not too sure somewhere on the North side. And again, I'm just having a lot of people send me pictures and it's really cool to, uh, to have a lot of people support me through that.
0: Do you know the story behind the Ukraine village one, or is that just somebody um, a fan?
1: No, no, no. I mean, my brother, my brother's drawn drawn a all, but the thing is, they call for it. You know, so people now are like, "Hey, we want this mural of Shorty. I think it'd be really cool to have this here." And then my brother does his own little piece somewhere on the side. So it's it's really cool that um, you know, one, my brother's getting jobs because of you know just painting me, and two is people want me on there. It's not just you know him doing random graffiti and putting me up there. They're actually asking for me and trying to say that. This guy is um, a role model to a lot of kids, and it's some type of inspiration. So it's that's exactly what I'm trying to be. Is you know we've done plenty of interviews before where I go, hey, I want to be here, I want to be a role model. Well, I'm now technically being a part of it because you only see people being painted if they're they're great, great athletes or great role models, or they're dead. <laughs> you know, so um, it's really cool that I'm not dead, but I'm definitely being a, a really good role model. I'm really happy about that.
0: You you put a lot of uh, effort into being a good role model. And mm-hmm. I know you come back to your uh, school in Chicago. You speak to schools in Chicago, but you come back to Combat Doe mm-hmm. and uh, talk with the kids, and you go back to IMAF to support all the, the amateurs competing. Uh, but... Do you feel like you're you're kind of, got, in Chicago at least, getting to that celebrity status yet, or is it still... A little
1: bit, a little bit. You know, I, I try not to... Again, I try my best not to take advantage of any little situations like that. You know, again, I do believe I'm a normal person. I'm trying to stay as humble as possible no matter what or how many belts are on this table or you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just, I'm just happy, again, that people support me and people know who I am now... Uh, you know, I started to work out again this week after my giant fat week, you know, I wasn't able to walk, so I'm like, eh, I'm gonna eat whatever, and so on Monday, I started working out again, and uh, I go to Export Fitness in Lyons, Illinois, and just walking in, people were like, oh, man, congrats on your fight, and people I've never seen before, you know, so they're like, oh, congrats on your fight, they know my stats, they know, you know, what, what my last five fights were, my last six fights were, they know my amateur career, they know all this stuff, I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is pretty cool, you know, this is what TJ gets, you know, I saw him at UFC gym in South and everyone wanted to take a picture with him. And then when he had to, you know, go use the washroom, they couldn't take a picture with him. They all were like, "Hey, shorty's here!" And I was like, "Oh, man, this is cool." You know, so it, it's really cool to have that notoriety and everyone really starting to recognize who I am, um, and really starting to appreciate what I do.
0: Have you had a weird like fan moment, like walking into the gym and saying hi? Like, okay, that's not so weird. But like, have you had something like completely off the wall happen?
1: Um, I get a lot of people hitting on me on Instagram, which is funny, but.
0: He's spoken for.
1: Yeah. I get, a, I get a lot of guys that hit on me from like overseas. It's really, I'm like, okay, cool. I guess I'm attractive. Um, but uh, the only thing, I don't have any, any awkward moments talking to fans. The only, I guess I would say awkward moments is that it just goes too long. You know, like I don't mind saying hello for a while, or like a five minute conversation. But it's like sometimes I'm in a rush or sometimes I'm trying to do things. I don't want to be rude. but I'm like, hey, I got to go, man. Right. <laughs> like, and they're just going and going and going and going. So sometimes. Uh, Hold on. I still have five more questions. Yeah. It's like I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I, I got to go. Can you call my friend? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was like, here, talk to my secretary, which is myself. So.
0: Now you're going around to schools and teacher students. We've kind of talked to it a little bit, like going and speaking to role models. Uh, how much have you done that since, uh, you know, in the past few months?
1: Um, so yesterday I actually talked to, uh, the town of Cicero in an actual town meeting and they want me to talk to Lincoln Elementary, Unity Junior High School, and possibly my high school, Morton East. Um, so I'm hoping to do that in the month of December. From what I know, I will be here for the whole month besides after the toy drive for that one day. Um, but I want to be here as much as possible. So if anybody knows any schools or just any events that they want me to come to just to speak to, that's, that's something I really want to do. You know, and that's something I volunteer myself to do of, of. Really trying to inspire kids and say, "Hey, yeah, you know, I'm a shorty from the neighborhood too. I don't, if I can make it, why can't you? You know." And that's really what I'm trying to get into the kids' heads. Is uh, actually, I went to my high school to talk to some of the kids for wrestling, and a lot of them are like, "Oh man, um, they want me to bump up weight. Oh, I can't do that because this guy's huge." I was like, "That's like only six pounds, five pounds. You're a growing teenager. You're fine. Oh, but this guy is strong. All this stuff. It's like." My last fight, the guy was 10 pounds, and you're, I'm getting punched and kicked in the face. It's okay. You're fine. What, what's, a, what's the worst that can happen? You lose. This is a learning experience. You've got to enjoy the challenge compared to going in there and already, you know, in a sense, giving up before you, got in, you know, gotten in there. So I'm trying to give kids confidence and not have that fear of, of being content where they are and actually trying to really start to think that I can be another Jose Shorty Torres, if not better, too.
0: Has the high school retired your singlet? Are you in the high no. school hall of fame yet? I'm
1: I'm in my high school's wall forever because I was stay state in wrestling. Um I think that'd be awesome to have both my junior college and my uh and my high school to retire something for me. I think that'd be really, really cool. Maybe just retire the nickname Shorty. But um, there you go. yeah, that's it. That's all I need. Or you know,
0: rebrand the gymnasium or something yeah, like
1: that. Yeah, something <laughs> yeah. Have a shorty logo somewhere. The in shorty then. locker room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really cool and that's something I want to do is Again, give back to my high school because, again, if it wasn't for my high school and all the teachers surrounding me with some type of positivity or some type of influence, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Same thing with my junior college. And uh, you know, I, I have left my mark, and I'm continuing to leave whatever mark I still can. Um, but what I'm able to do now is you know, show kids when I fight on TV or fight on UFC Fight Pass is show that I'm not giving up. Whether if, if it's punching, getting punched in the face or an office shot or whatever the case may be, I'm not giving up, and I'm pushing forward and trying to achieve my goals no matter what type of adversity I face in front of me.
0: Now – you mentioned talking to the town of Cicero. It
1: mm-hmm.
0: seems kind of something new. Like, you, I know you go and talk to students, and, and I, I think I understand, but, like, what were you talking to the town of Cicero about? Um, just like, I love Cicero.
1: <laughs> I love Cicero. Help Sorry me, for the mural. So we, we came in, and actually, uh, we came in with my two bells just trying to show, like, hey, man. I'm a kid from Cicero. You guys have helped raise me for 15 years. Um, you know, I definitely want to give recognition to Larry Dominic for building all the stuff he's been able to do for the kids. Because when I was a kid in Cicero, I wasn't able to to do a skate park. They didn't have a skate park in Cicero. They had it in Stickney or Berwyn, and, and or in Chicago. And I had to go to different towns to have fun or just just any little things. But now all these kids have these opportunities um, to, in a sense, get out of the street and just have fun and actually be a child for once, um, and actually have so many free events. It's it's pretty ridiculous and pretty inspiring for the town, but. For me, I went there and I, I really much proposed that, hey, I'm ready to help the town in any any possible way. If there's any schools I can talk to, if the town is running any events, um, if there's any type of volunteering opportunities for me, I'm, I'm ready to give back if I can. You know, I'm not asking for any money. That's not what the whole purpose is. If I'm able to inspire one kid out of you know, the hundreds and thousands of kids in Cicero, that I've done my job and that's all I want to do.
0: What's it like to go back to Combat Doe after training away for so long, winning a big title fight?
1: It's... It's painful and really cool. The only reason I say it's painful is because every time, at least the last two times I've come back, I've been injured. So <laughs> I've been limping the past two times, um, but I'm carrying both my belts, and I went to the kids' class, and I'm like, Shorty, oh, my God. But they're hugging me, accidentally hitting my leg. They're grabbing my belts. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, these kids are crazy. And then they want to take pictures and just having a good time. So it's, it's really cool to, you know, my gym has 10 belts and my banner up on the wall, all my amateur belts. And then I walk in with two really, really legit belts, really heavy belts, and these kids start to go like, Oh, when I grow up I want that corner. That's my side of where my belts are gonna be You know, we had a guy who's actually my age that won his first belt, Julio Palma, and it's like now he's starting to believe in himself now too. It's like, hey man, that's one of many. You're gonna start getting that and then eventually you can turn pro as well and get your own belts too and it's it's really inspiring to know that I'm, you know, the in a sense, the leader of my team of of hey, man, if Shorty can do it, I can do it too. And he's coming in with all these belts. We've seen how he acted as a teenager. We saw how he acted as a kid. Man, I act just like him. Or if not, I'm definitely a lot more mature. I'm pretty sure most of those kids are a lot more mature than I was. But it's cool to see them getting inspired by the things I bring back and I'm able to show them that I can do it.
0: Do you think Combat Doe or another gym in Chicago could become a major mma haven the way like an american top team or jackson wink or aka yeah. or rufus sport
1: yeah you know combat though has been around for 25 years just sadly we haven't gotten any type of huge notoriety left you know uh in those years we had Shoney carter terry martin mike russo but for me i believe i'm the biggest thing coming out of my my gym right now and i'm one of the biggest prospects around the world at the flyweight division outside the ufc so i'm really hoping that um, with me moving up and having my my coach, Master Bob Shermer, at my corner every single fight, no matter where I travel and train with, Dwayne, Ludwig, Mark Munoz, Chris Darrow and whoever I train with, I want to be able to know that that's my coach and he's at my corner. And, uh, you know, he deserves that notoriety because everything I've been able to do, I might not have the bodies in my gym, but everything I do in my fights, he's taught me. And I've been able to train and, and challenge some of the best and actually get paid to train with some of the best, one of them being TJ, you know, helping him for the John Linker fight and just knowing that... What well, my coach has taught me here, without having the bodies, I've been able to do against some of the best in the world. So now being able to train with the best bodies in the world, I'm just excited to see what I can do next in the UFC.
0: And hopefully there's a Chicago event coming soon. Yeah, that'd be. Summer. I feel like that's the like ultimate a good plan. That's why,
1: not, <laughs> that's why they're not calling me. It's been I, a couple of years. I haven't fought in Chicago in five years. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a huge, huge, huge deal for me. And TJ...
0: Uh, had a world title defense in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So in his
1: second fight against bro. Yeah.
0: It's uh, they didn't do one this past summer. They normally, it seems like they've been doing the end of July one. So maybe this summer again, hopefully now you also have, or uh, are trying to get going a podcast with your, uh, your nutritionist. Lou and Lou. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the update there? So
1: nutrition, I definitely want to start a podcast called emotionally unstable, which I believe fits us both very well. We're known as big and little spoon. I obviously am the little spoon um, so my problem was he's like, all right, cool. We'll get it done when I get the logo. We'll start it when I get the logo. I'm like, all right, cool. He says he has a friend who's going to do the logo. Six months later, logos never made. I've been calling. I've been calling him and it's just been just, just pretty much delaying and pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. And then we talked, um, you know, during this fight camp when I was in Jersey for two weeks and, you know, I have my own guy working on the logo now. So hopefully once the logo is done in, in the next few weeks, you know, definitely get this podcast going and, and just having a lot of fun. You know, we're going to do hopefully about a half an hour podcast of, you know, the sandwich theory of, of talking about random things, talking about what the actual message is, and then ending it with just having some fun. You know, so it's definitely going to be a lot of fun in the podcast, but we're going to talk about real things. You ever, you ever listen to System of a Down? Yeah, know, system of a downward. You don't know what the song is until they get to the chorus, and you're like, "Oh, okay, now I get it," and then it's back to the randomness. That's exactly what we're trying to do.
0: Lose watching. Uh, oh no! He he commented <laughs> in the comments. Uh, he said he says you look like you've uh, been <laughs> cheating a little bit more than usual. He didn't use that exact words, but that's the basic of what basics of what he said.
1: It's a nutrition diet. Yeah. Uh,
0: before we wrap up. Uh, there's some questions that we didn't get to in the chat that I wanted to get to. Somebody asked best flyweight outside of the UFC. That's not yourself.
1: That's not myself. I think one guy that, uh, oh, outside the UFC, Hmm. I was going to say Ben New Young, cause I think he's a great fighter, but outside the UFC, I really don't know. I haven't really been paying attention. I think a lot of people wanted me to fight. Um, what was one of the tough finalists? Uh, I think he was from New Zealand. He's oh. a bang or he's a, uh, a tiger Muay Thai guy kai something a lot of people were tagging him and i together saying that we should fight both in the ufc which hey, i think he's a good fighter i think he knocked out the the tall alaskan in his first fight
0: yeah um i'm looking it up now because it's gonna drive me insane
1: sorry i don't know your name (laughs)
0: uh oh my god there's so many names i can't remember which one it was (laughs) um he fought who's the alaskan guy what was his name I don't know we'll get it we'll <laughs> drop it in the chat later sorry <laughs> we know i know who it that. is we Seriously. know who it
1: is but yeah
0: lou says i look <laughs> lou said no i said he looks fat and he says you look healthy mike great i i don't i think that might this might be switched. i think i
1: think lou is just delusional from all the drugs he has to take after his surgery yeah <laughs> he just had. he just had so uh shoulder surgery and uh you know, he's definitely recovering from that so i think right now him and i are both balking. Yeah, we're definitely just trying to bulk together and get ready for 145, 155.
0: Chicago in winter, you have to. No, you you have have to bulk. bulk. You have no choice. That's why I'm only wearing a sweater. I think it's awesome right now. Uh, If you don't, you'll just you'll freeze to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have another question. What is your favorite discipline to train? Boxing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or something else?
1: Oh man, I think my. I, I don't know which one's more exciting. My favorite, two are boxing and judo just because I believe they're the most inter- fan entertaining. You know, for me, I, I like putting on the show. If I can get a knockout, that's always the best thing. If not, drop an opponent, get him close, you know, demonstrate some Muay Thai, which I definitely showed in my last fight with the, with the elbows and knees. But being able to do a big throw, you know, I had a nice lateral on my fight defending a takedown. If I can put something, you know, like a big throw, slam someone on his face and, and really finish a fight on the ground and pound, I think that's awesome. So boxing and judo are my favorite, too.
0: And uh, we had a question, but I've lost it. But basically, it was something: who could win in a fight, Ju- Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. Am I getting that right? Versus uh, Alien versus Predator.
1: Oh, that's actually a really tough one.
0: Yeah, that's I got the that. Alien I Predator. The
1: Alien Predator are two different characters. If it's Predator versus Judge Dredd. Hmm, it's like a three-way. Yeah, well, if, fight, it's, maybe. if, it's, if it's a three-way fight, man, it would probably be Predator. He's kind of a cheater, you know. He has that little explosive at the end. I don't really watch watch much Drudge, uh, Judge Dredd, so I don't know too much about him. I have no idea who Judge Dredd is. It's, is that bad? It's oh, who, who played him? Eh, it's a good movie, though. From what I know, it's a good movie. I'll
0: have to check it out. Very now, gory, bloody movie. We were talking about your social media earlier yeah. before the show started. Let everybody know where they can follow you.
1: Yeah, please. If anyone wants to support me, uh, Instagram is Jose Shorty Torres. Twitter, ShortyTorys125, and Facebook, Jose Shorty Tours, a little quotations around Shorty. Um, and then any, If anyone wants to buy and purchase any merchandise, 20% of the funding usually goes to the kids in my gym when they have uh, big events, like if they're going down to Florida to compete or, or Iowa for Muay Thai tournaments, stuff like that. So TeamShorty.com, I really appreciate all the love and support, guys. Um, again, I couldn't do this without you, and that's why I always do say we can, we will together, we are Team Shorty. And I, I just appreciate the time, and just thank you so much, guys. Except for, uh, except for you, Lou. Forget you.
0: And I think it's remarkable somebody who's still trying to get into the UFC and whose career is just beginning is already giving pro- like a percentage of their merchandise revenues to. Uh, I don't as long children. as
1: as long as I have enough money to live, I'm happy. I don't need money, fame, and all these things to to make me happy. As long as I have enough money to live and I'm able to give back and have uh, give kids the uh, the same, if not a lot more, opportunity than what I had, I'm, I'm more than happy for that.
0: All right, that's uh, Jose Shorty Torres again. Uh, it's on the screen, but at Shorty Torres125 on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Jose Shorty Torres if you want to just uh, type it and go straight in there. Um, and make sure to tune in to Titan FC 47 to watch him commentate and uh, see if he talks about how exhausted he is from the toy drive. <laughs> yeah. <But> I'm just <laughs> not even commenting. I'm just like, like, on was a one going to be like, this and. With the uh, and then tweet him during the show to let him know how wrinkled his suit is from oh, being on the plane and oh, at the man. hospital all day. Not excited. Yeah. Maybe you get like one of those steamers. You can get it oh, pressed. maybe I actually, something. I think Showdown Joe has maybe it. Maybe Lex will have a, <laughs> an iron backstage for it. Uh,
1: Lex do not even like me that much. We'll see.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, coming in. And thank you, everyone, for watching. And uh, we're always here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Mike and myself, not Alias. <laughs> <laughs>